Tupo driving hard at the line. Tupo has he done it? No, it's play on. They go wide. They go wide. They get the try. It's O'Connor for Queensland. Alrighty, welcome to episode 35. Uh, let's see how this one goes. This is going to be a bit of a trial to see how the uh, StreamYard program goes because. We've obviously seen the Wallabies squad get announced, so we just want to see a bit of a look at um, some of the positions and, I guess, identify what areas are we looking quite strong in, uh, what areas might we need some development, and I guess just running the uh, the finger over some of the numbers because, as um, as I guess Twitter's seen over the last few days, there's been a lot of uh, discussion around some of the stats and some of the data for this team, which is great. Um, and I'm quite keen to see this team together because with a 38-man squad, it's pretty hard to tell who's actually going to get some game time and who's going to be in the driving seat for this uh, competition. So that's what I wanted to do uh, this afternoon was just go through some of that. Uh, if you are able to you know, chime in with any feedback, please feel free to because, um, look, I'm, I'm quite keen to see how this team shapes up. Um, obviously, if you are listening to this as the podcast, uh, that'll be quite hard to give the feedback, but obviously feel free to get in touch on Twitter at any point because, Great to um, hear any feedback, even after the fact, if you disagree with some of what I've said. But we'll just go through some of the um, some of the side there, I guess, as we go through the team. Um, I should cover the results from Trans Tasman first. I'll do this very briefly because it was a bit of a whitewash. But looking at this, um, it was quite tough because some of the games were quite close at half time. The Reds were down ten seven to the Hurricanes, but ended up losing forty three fourteen. Uh, the Brumbies were down 14-12 to the Highlanders at halftime, ended up losing 33-12. to uh, The Rebels had a 14-point uh, deficit. They ended up losing by 26. And the Waratahs were down by 7, ended up losing by 33. So four of the games were really close. The Force were a bit of the outlier, and they also came back quite close. They were down 28-0, uh, ended up clawing back a little bit to 31-21. The game was already out of reach. I guess in the end, just a bit of a disappointing round for the um for the Aussie sides and a disappointing tournament because they didn't get as many wins as a lot of the pundits had thought, but still pretty interesting to see how they performed over this uh, tournament because as a lot of people have already said, I'm not the first to say it, even when the Australian Super Rugby sides don't put a good performance together, everyone does sort of have that thought that, well, the Wallabies can still do quite well. They can field a good 23. So very keen to see what that 23 looks like and I guess how they're sort of shaping up. So, I guess that's really all I want to talk about with the Trans-Tasman. They'll go into a lot more detail with that, uh, I guess, over next week with the second Rugby Rumble. So keep an eye out in your feeds for that. That'll be great to have uh, some of the other podcasters join in from Pick and Drive, from Draft, and, of course, Matt Darren again from Gold Digger Rugby. Um, It'll be great to see the thoughts about how that competition went and what it might look like in the future. In any case, let's keep going through. So here's the squad as an overall. Um, we can see from the squad here, it's got a nice mix of um, experienced players and some names we're familiar with, and maybe a few names that probably don't jump out as being um, household names just yet, but some that are quite interesting and some that show just some pretty good form throughout the Trans-Tasman. So I just wanted to go through them. The challenge is when you're looking at a team list or a squad list, I guess, like this, um, it's hard to sort of see where all the pieces might fit in. And it's also hard to ascertain who was left out. Um, and that's one of the hardest things is looking at a squad list and saying, well, great, I can see these names, but who isn't in there? So that's what I want to do today is just go through 
some of those positions. So we'll go through uh, jerseys 1 through to 15, have a look at who's in the squad, who can cover those positions, um, but also who didn't quite make it, whether that's for injury or uh, for some other reason. So as we go through uh, the first position, loose head prop, this is a nice, interesting mix of uh, players, that, you know, as far as I can tell. Looking at this, um, hopefully that's coming up on your screen as well. If you can watch this, if you are listening to it, um, the loose head props, we've got Angus Bell, Scott Seo, and James Slipper that are in the squad. And the player that I highlighted who was pretty hard done by to be omitted, I think, is Tom Robertson. Um, I thought he had a really good season for the force, and I think the force proved to be a really uh, competitive side throughout Trans-Tasman and Super Rugby year. So it would have been nice to get a bit more representation from them. Um, but just if we look through the players that are in the squad, James Lipper is our most experienced player. He hasn't played the most tests. Uh, that goes to Hooper, but he's the oldest. He's um, debuted the earliest. He's, he's played a lot of games for the Wallabies and is a bit of a stalwart. So very good to see him in there. Scott C is someone that I thought might have... Um, peaked a little bit more after the 2015 Rugby World Cup, but he hasn't really come into form just yet. So a bit of a mixed bag this season, but he's experienced. And I think all eyes are on Angus Bell. Obviously, he's what everyone reckons is the future coming up. We've got a really exciting loose head prop, um, and a lot of people are really quite keen to see how he partners up with Taniela Tupo on the other side of the scrum, just because that's quite a good mix of attacking weapons. And if we have the rest of our back row and our locks firing, um, doing all the hard work, then having those guys just doing that, um, you know, the big damaging ball carries is a great thing for our Oz Rugby. I think Tom Robertson, the biggest surprise for me is I really thought that the Wallabies would have more than six props in their 38-man squad. Uh, three tests in 11 days is a really quick turnaround. And I think seeing some of the, you know, players they've got to choose from, some of the options they could have had, it would have been nice to see um, him get some game time in there, especially because he is one of our most experienced players, which is crazy to say, but he's 26 years old. He's played 24 caps. Um, you might be able to see the age and caps that I've got on the screen that are hopefully trying to um, indicate some of the, the areas where he might be strong or weak. Um, but he got a real good run in that um, period between the 2016 and 2019 uh, World Cup starting. Uh, Chaka used him a bit. I think he had five tests at tight head prop. He's played a lot on the loose head, so he's a really versatile player, uh, much like Harry Johnson-Holmes, which we'll get to soon. But, yeah, a bit odd that he missed out. I thought he might have just edged Scott Seo, um, especially because we know Scott Seo can perform a job if asked to. But with both Seo and Slipper quite old, you do kind of need another younger loose head coming into the picture just to try and help out when we get to the uh, 2023 Rugby World Cup. If we go ahead now to hooker, this is probably the area where I had the most question marks and it's the area where I'm the least sold on what to do, um, both with this squad and in future squads as we start looking at who could get a chance in that uh, Rugby World Cup. So you'll see on the left I've got um, the, the three squad members, Faleti Kaitu, Lockie Lonigan, and Brandon Pangaramosa. So Kaitu's 26, zero caps. Lockie Lonigan's uh, 21 with zero caps. Parango Moses is 25 with nine caps. So he's our most experienced hooker that's in the squad, but he is heading over to France after this series. So I shouldn't say this series, sorry. He'll, he'll be around this year for the um, Bledisloe and the Rugby Championship and potentially even some of the European tests in um, the spring tour. But it's still quite disappointing to see that he's probably our most informed hooker and that he's also going to be heading offshore. So I also want to put together some of the other options that might have been unlikely to miss out. 
I know Dave Brecky missed out because of injury. So whether he would have taken either Kaitu or Lonigan or, or Pangaramosa's spot um, remains to be seen. But he's a bit of a seasoned veteran. He's played a bit overseas. He's 28. He still doesn't have any caps, but he does have some um, bank of experience to draw from. And then the other two, um, Falao Fainga and uh, Jordan Yolesi, they had the most experience out of all the hooking options playing in Australia. So it's only 16 and 12 caps respectively, but um, that's still more than Pankaramos or any of the guys in the squad. So interesting they haven't quite made it. I think um, a, a real, I guess, illustration by Rennie about what he wants his hookers to be able to do and that they just weren't doing enough of it in the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman and AU competitions because both were omitted from that initial um, pony squad or the players of interest squad. But I thought that was more just to kick up the bum to try and get them motivated and whether that just wasn't enough um, may be the case because they've still not quite made it into Rennie's uh, reckoning for this next squad. If we go ahead to tight head prop, this one's probably um, the most clear cut in that Taniel Latupo and Alan Alalatoa, they should be the starter and bench in every test match. Um, they're really clear top two tight head props. There is a bit of a gap between them and the next few options. And this is why I thought it was a bit interesting. I'm I'm surprised Pony Farmacilli's in there only because he didn't play any of the Trans-Tasman. He had a three-match ban that took him out for a bit of it. But when we look past that three-game ban, um, Harry Johnson Holmes was the one that was doing more of the physical work, I thought, for the Waratahs. He was normally leading or you know second behind Bell in terms of the carries, the tackles. Um, for anyone playing fantasy rugby, he was a manager's dream. So interesting that he's not in there, um, especially with a squad that has high rotation. He can play both sides of the scrum. He's a player that I'd really be you know, trying to develop and work on because I think when it comes to a Rugby World Cup squad, if you can only pick five props or you know, you've only got a small traveling squad, he's a really ideal player to have. Um, plus, he does have the one test cap already, so whether that's worthwhile... Um, you know, developing into, but if we look at the um, the other two tight heads, Tupo and Alato are pretty established. Um, Alato was in that sweet spot of experience where he's uh, 27, he's got 43 test caps. That's a great position to be in, especially because he should be getting a lot more game time in the years coming. And Tanya Latupo, um, you know, 24, I'm oh, sorry, he's turned 25 now uh, with 25 test caps. So, again, not quite at the level of experience you'd want, but he's coming into his own. His Super Rugby AU form was ridiculous. Uh, he's still prone to a few drop balls, but just his his tackling, um, you know, could still do with a bit of uh, assistance from Alalatoa. I think Alalatoa still dominates the tight areas, but D2Po in attack, when he does get the ball, when he can get a few runs in, and, you know, just trying to shift his weight in the scrum um, does make it quite challenging. Good to hear uh, Vasa Sheep coming in as well with, and can cook a meat barbecue as well. I mean, I don't think you'd be much of a front rower if you can't uh, man the tongs as well. So good to have the first uh, chime in as well from Twitter. Great work, Bastard Sheep. Um, we'll go ahead to the locks. The locks is probably one of the positions where I've put in the most options because I thought this was the area that I got completely wrong. Um, in talking to the guys from Pick and Drive and uh, Matt from Gold Digger and Nelson and Harry from Drive Rugby, I put together a 38-man squad, showed it to them. I was, you know, I, th- I thought I was going to call it all and say, yeah, these are the guys. And the locks, I think I picked two of them um, just because there was quite a bit of change in them. And it's a bit hard to pick with some of the ones that have been overseas and um, in form or not in form. But 
plenty of news about this one and a little bit of breaking news, I guess. Um, the four that did make the squad before we get to that, Matt Phillip, who's been playing overseas in France, uh, Sidilaki Tamani, who hasn't played since 2013, Lukan Lodo, who's looking like the experienced stalwart out of the bunch with 25 caps, and Darcy Swain, who's uncapped, uh, was playing pretty well for the Brumbies, but is a penalty magnet. And I get that uh, Rennie wants this abrasive player. I think, you know, the balance with players like him and um, Lockie Swinton, the difference between abrasive and, you know, costly for a team can be pretty marginal at test level. So I'm keen to see if he does get a game time. Um, but this is an interesting mix. The good thing here is Philip, he, he got a bit of flack uh, for heading overseas, but he was Rennie's first choice lock last year. He and Salako Lotto locked down uh, for most of the season together and did a pretty good job, I thought. So I'm keen to see him get um, some more game time back in and have another full season with the Rebels. It's a, players that were left out that I think is the interesting part. Um, if we go through them, Trevor Hosea was left out. He was uh, an uncapped member of the squad last year. Interestingly, though, um, the Rebels put up some photos of the Wallabies training camp, and he is in the Wallabies squad at the moment training with them. So whether or not he was officially announced, we know that he didn't make that cut, but... He is training with them. They obviously see some potential there. Um, so that's an interesting development that, you know, I wonder how many other players are in that squad training with them because I would have thought Jose would probably deserve a spot in there above Swain. But, you know, both are playing at a pretty similar level, both, you know, uh, huge potential. The two players that I wish uh, could have been selected, Caden Neville, he's obviously injured, but, um, you know, 32 years of age, a real good engine, Um I think plays, you know, quite a good mix of everything you'd want your lock to do. He's got a good engine, but he can run the ball as well. He can dominate lineouts. He calls lineouts really well. So he would be a nice, um, you know, like a Rob Simmons replacement in terms of the lineout caller, but also with a bit more grunt um, around the park. And then Isaac Rodder, he's obviously a freak lock. Um, he's coming back to the Western Four, so he was in contention. But I think the issue here is he obviously left the um, Reds in pretty bad terms and whether there was any you know, dynamic that sort of Rennie didn't see it uh, appropriate to drag him straight in there or, you know, whether he just didn't see him as a must-have lock. Maybe he's quite similar to Philip in what sort of game plan he wants to run. Um, for me, this is a very interesting mix of locks. Um, we don't have a lot of experience here. This is the position outside of hooker that probably has the most concern for me. And the biggest, I guess, problem when we look at that is hooker and locks are so intertwined when it comes to lineouts. They should have a good combination. They should have uh, either someone stepping out. We don't have a Simmons in there or a Stephen Moore at hooker that's um, you know really experienced in leading the charge for either domain. So this is a good chance for these guys to develop that and try and stick out. But it is going to be a, you know a, quite a tough ask, I think, for a group of very inexperienced test locks. Um, I'd, I'd just put Tess in there then because Sidalaki Tamani, he has played over 200 professional games. I think he's, you know, done about 150 combined for Montpellier and um, one of the other French clubs he was over there with when he first left Australia. So plenty of experience. It's just these guys haven't played Tess together. And the combination is going to be such a big thing, as we saw with successful teams like the Springboks as they built towards that 2019 Rugby World Cup. You need to have game time together. You need to have a really solid idea of what your best 15 is and who your best bench is. And that's what I'm going to try and get to towards the end of this is a bit of a look at what I think that could be. Um, next position is a really clear cut, I think. Blindside flanker. Um, whether you... 
identify Rob Liotta and Michael Wells as blindside flankers or Liotta as a lock or Wells as an eight or, you know, whatever position. I don't think either of them really will get much game time or probably should get too much game time just based off, you know, the form of the other players. For me, this is really just a landslide victory to Valentini. I think he should start every test at six because uh, this has been our Achilles heel recently. Um, since Scott Fardy left, we haven't had a six lockdown at Jersey. Um, my biggest complaint with, you know, part of Checker's era was uh, the split of game time between players where uh, Ned Hannigan got, I think, more game time than any other player at six, and then it came to the World Cup and he didn't get taken. So that's a massive concern that he's not, um, you know, in the picture at the moment. So what I'd like is to have Valentini, who's still really young. We can see he's 22 with four caps, um, <laughs> making him the most experienced out of the sixes in the squad. Um I'd like to see him get some time in there. You know, it'd be great to see him just lock down that six jersey. Swinton, oh, I thought he had a good 30 minutes for that game against New Zealand before the red card. But again, he got red carded then and missed the start of the Super Rugby AU season this year. Uh, he just got red carded against the Chiefs and I think the disciplinary hearing's tonight. Um, but I don't know if he should get out of that. I think that probably will be three weeks. So to me, it's the Valentini by a clear margin. The players that I think are hard done by to miss out... Fergus Lee Warner is the Western force to a T. He's just work ethic, um, body on the line, does all the heavy lifting, does all the you know big tackles, the damaging runs. There's a lot of games where he'll you know do 20 runs for 15 meters, but he's doing that hard work and just trying to keep that ball moving. And it's something that the force do really well. It's something that I'm surprised um, Rennie doesn't want in his side, especially in place of someone like um, Leota or Wells who probably aren't quite as uh, diligent with that sort of work. They're both great, you know, uh, work ethic players for Super Rugby level, but Fergus Lee Warner just seems like a real toiler that should be taking it to that next level. So a bit of a shame for him. Uh, the other player that I put alongside him is Liam Wright. Liam Wright's interesting because he's sort of that six and seven hybrid. And in a squad of 38, I thought they might have found room for him. But I could see why in a regular squad you might just have two sevens. And that's why they've probably gone for Hooper and um, McWright. But Liam Wright, I think, is pretty hard done by. Really good leader, um, really great presence in attack and defense. Um, I think he's a very smart player. He's quite young, but already has 50 Super Rugby caps. Uh, he's already got five test caps, which makes him more experienced than all the other options here too. Bit of a shame that he's not uh, in the picture because I think he just adds a lot to the environment. But, um, you know, we might see him come in later on if they realise they're not getting much out of some of the other guys or they might just be trying to see as many players as they can before the rugby championship. They might already have a pretty good idea of what Liam Wright can do, even though he's only got the five test caps and is nowhere near an experienced test cap player yet. But that could be some of the reasoning they've got. Uh, we've already covered the open size, but I'll show them anyway. Vastly different um, when it comes to experience here. Hooper with 105 caps in his 29 years. Um, McWright one cap, which was 12 minutes off the bench. So can't really compare them, but McWright has had a great season for Super Rugby AU and is, um, you know, the only open side flanker in the squad that was actually playing Super Rugby AU. So he's had a lot of minutes recently with this teammate. And I think that leads really well to the number eight because it should be Harry Wilson. Um, I think that goes without saying. I think he's had a really great season for the Reds. Um, and Mixed a lot of the work around. Like sometimes he's been really good um, 
off the back of scrum. Sometimes he's been really good in the loose. Sometimes it's just been a lot of hard carries and some big hits in defense. So I think there's a lot to like about um, Harry Wilson. And I think, you know, just with his young age as well, he can be someone that we put at number eight and just, you know, really develop and end up being a real, um, you know, veteran for the Wallabies because I've liked what I've seen so far. And it definitely isn't to undersell Issy Nicerani because he's come back and had a great end to the season. Um, picked up two tries in the game. I think it was against the Chiefs. Um, just with a really dominant display. He's a really hard guy to get down, but does a lot of the grunt work as well. But it brings me to Pete Sama, who's someone that I think um, we saw as a bit of a saviour in 2018 when he came across from the Crusaders, joined the Brumbies, and you know he was flung straight into the... Um, Test Arena because we were quite desperate. We didn't have many back rowers. Um, and he's more capped than Wilson Osler. He's got 10 caps, which makes him the second most experienced uh, back rower playing Australian rugby at the moment. You know, behind Michael Hooper, he's got more experience than all the other guys in our, our Super Rugby AU. A few guys overseas that have a bit more, but pretty, pretty concerning. So the fact he's not in there, whether it's through injury or just um, doesn't like the way he played because We've got to remember, Pete Simon got the first crack at number eight jersey last year. They pushed Harry Wilson to six, but then Simon wasn't seen again. Um, so clearly there was just some, um, I guess, issue with the way he played that Rennie wasn't the biggest fan of. Um, but, you know, we might see him get called into squads later on. I think he still offers a lot. I think he's pretty close to your ideal number 20 um, in that if you have him on the bench, I'd be pretty happy with him covering six, seven, or eight in a bit of a pinch. Um, probably better than most of the other players can. He's a, got a really good, well-rounded skill set, so I'd, I'd like to see him get some more time. He is only 29, so he's got plenty of time to do it, but I'd love to see it sooner than later. If we go ahead to the scrum halves, I think this one was pretty um, clear-cut. Not quite as clear-cut as fly half, which we'll get to, but the scrum half position... Um, I think we all knew that it was going to be a bit of a mix of Nick White, the most experienced player. And we can see he's got um, 37 caps. It makes him quite experienced. But he's 31, so not quite as springy as he used to be. Um, a bit of a battle between him and Tate McDermott, who is 22 and has two test caps. But again, we've got to keep in mind, two test caps, it's about 30 minutes of game time, I think he got. you know, So it's not all that much. Much the same with Jake Gordon. Really great player. He's got five caps. He's injured at the moment, so they've brought in Ryan Lonigan. But with Jake Gordon's five caps, he's still played less than two hours of Test Rugby. right? So he's not getting starting game time and playing the whole match. He's getting cameos off the bench and doing all right, but they don't have a lot of faith in the reserve halfbacks. And this is something that we've seen a lot with Checker, um, where you'd have Guinea starting and you'd carry Phipps and barely play him, or you'd have Joe Powell and barely play him, or... Nick Frisbee and barely play him. Um, it became a bit of an issue that by the time the World Cup came around and he realised, well, I don't really want Nick Phipps in the squad. Nick White's coming back from overseas. I guess I'll just bring him in because he's experienced and used to play a lot of you know test match footy. That's some of the issues here. So I really hope we see a lot more game time between these other halfbacks, or scrum halves, I should say. Um, I think Tate is in really great form. I think Nick White's a really smart player and finishes the game strong. So, you know, we'll see what I reckon the ideal team would be at the end. But I think we got a good mix there. Uh, Ryan Lonergan's a handy player. Um, I think outside of Ando from pick and drive, he's pretty 
well liked, but he's you know much loved to Ando. He's um you know <laughs> the apple of his eye with good reason. He's a great little um, kicking nine, and that's something that we could really um, I think use to our advantage is have someone that can get box kicks through and uh, really look after our possession, really try and put a bit of pressure on the opposition with our kicking game. It's something that we've seen European team, uh, teams do quite well. The player that's, I guess, hard done by is Joe Powell. 27, four test caps. Um, never really got much of a chance. I think he's had a really good season for the Rebels. Still maybe a little error-prone or, you know, crabs a bit. But I think, you know, if we were playing a test tomorrow and it was between him and Ryan Lonergan, I'd want Powell in there. But... You know, if, if they're looking for the future and they want to try and develop other players, then it makes sense for Lonigan given his age and, you know, given, you know, what he can do with uh, with the kicking game. Because we've seen um, him, you know, pull off monster kicks to beat the Rebels. It's something that we've, you know, tried to have Reese Hodge in the team for. It was just a monster boot when we need it. But if um, that's something that we can develop with Lonigan, then all for it. For fly half, this is a really clear cut. I didn't put any um, other options in there because, frankly, I think there's quite a gap. Um, last year, Harrison was in the squad because he was seen to be pretty level pecking with uh, Noah Lolasia. I think with how the Waratahs have fared, it's dipped his um, credentials a little bit. Plus, Ben Donalds is coming to the fold and he's playing pretty well at 10 as well. My, I guess, um, question is... Where do we go from here if something happens to these two? Um, for me, we've got a really experienced O'Connor who should be starting 31, but 55 test, match, um, uh, test matches of experience and in a variety of positions. So he can play everywhere. He's very comfortable wherever he is on the field. I think he started for the Wallabies at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. Um, he's done it all. So very safe hands in O'Connor. He's had a great season coming back and has shown great leadership skills. Alessio's uh, a great young talent and has done quite well for the Brumbies. And I think with um, you know some other players around him that maybe have a bit more experience, uh, he could do quite well. I am keen to see who the next cab off the rank is. I think between Carter, Gordon, Donaldson, Will Harrison, uh, Bailey Kunzel, uh, Rishan Pasatoa, we've got a lot of great uh, developing options. But at the moment, they're all so far away from a Wallabies squad that... Um, I guess we've got to hope that nothing happens to these two. Or um, as we segue to the inside centers, or Matt Tamil, who I guess would also fill in as a uh, backup 10, as would Reese Hodge. But if we go through these options, this is where we're getting dicey. Um, very interesting mix here. Matt Tamil is the most experienced option. We could have at 12, but he is really not in great form. Didn't have a great season at the end for the Rebels and hasn't... Um, hasn't been able to deliver what you'd expect of someone that is 31 and has that much experience. Uh, Lalakai Fagetti, probably one of the biggest shocks for the squad. Pretty good player, and he's looked pretty good in his centre partnership with Parisi, but haven't seen that much of him to think that he's a lock-in for Bollabies, especially I don't think I've seen anything um, beyond what Ray Simone can do, who would have been the 12 um, based off last year being in the squad and getting some games. So a bit surprised to see him there instead of either Simone or uh, Kyle Godwin. And then the most interesting one, uh, Hunter Paisami. He's actually our second most experienced centre, which is pretty scary, um, given he's only played six test matches. All of them were last year in um, 
you know, his first year professional rugby for the Wallabies and really his first full season for the um, for the Reds. I think the balance and a lot of the backline decisions will come down to who is going to play that 12 and 13 jersey um, because we've not had a lot of balance. And I'm actually going to put this up because Buster Sheep throws this in and it's on the money. Tua played most of the season in 10, though, um, which is accurate. He played, I think, three games at the end of the season in the 12 jersey. And I think a lot of that's because they probably need to play 12 for the Wallabies. But at the same time, Hunter Baisami, someone that's been in and out of position as well, he's played uh, 12 a handful of times for the um, Reds, but he's also filled in at 13. It all depends on whether Hamish shoots around or uh, Jordan Pattaya. So a lot of this, you know, moving around at club level has affected players like Reese Hodge, um, has affected players in the past like Adam Ashley Cooper. They haven't had a set position. They've been moved around and it's affected them a little bit. And what I'd really love is for Dave Rennie, and I, I trust whatever his opinion is, but to get Hunter Baisami and either get him straight into the 12 jersey or straight into the 13 jersey and try not to move him as much as he can help it. Um, because we saw from Baisami last year, I think the first two test matches he started in a 13 jersey. Um, and I'll get up the graphic later just to check that. But he started in the 13 jersey with Tamua inside him. Then Tamua got injured and he played the next or three of the next four matches in the 12 jersey. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, Buzzership did add another comment saying that Tamua's form in the 12 jersey was better and it was probably for the first match. Um, he was taking a lot of the um, a lot of the pressure off Carter Gordon, but his last game for the Rebels was so shocking. It's just defensive frailties. I think he missed eight of his 13 tackles. It was a really clumsy game. He just didn't really have any sort of um, leadership, which is what you want from someone of that age and that experience. So I think, you know, Simone and Godwin are very, very capable call-ups if needed. And I'll continue um, Godwin for the next frame as well, actually, because I didn't include him in this image, but he would be another um, backup for the 13 jersey, which might need to happen because, unfortunately, the three inside centers are selected. We had Izzy Parisi, Lenny Katow, and if you include Hunter Baisami again, I've, I've put him in this as well just to highlight the injury. Um, we've got three outside centers. The injury to Parisi really forces the hand of what that center pairing will look like, and I think it's made it more likely that it will be Tamua 12 and Paisami at 13, but you wonder what the squad could look like, what the team could look like if we have Parisi healthy and if we have Jordan Pattaya, who's also out injured. Um, whether he would slot in at 13, whether he would be a wing option. Uh, we know he's capable of playing both at a pretty good level. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens with that and how they could try and get that um, you know, to be of use for the Wallabies. I think is probably one of our most freakish talents we could call upon, but he hasn't really uh, nailed down either of the jerseys. He's been very prone to handling errors, um, very prone to just some awkward decisions when running with the ball. Pretty solid in defense, and he's been talked up as being a fullback option. He can play outside center. He can play wing really well. I still think his best position is probably wing, but just given the the dearth of options, outside center is a real issue, and I think it's really adding insult to injury seeing Samu Karevi get named in the Aussie 7 squad, um, just knowing what a good job he would do at either 12 or 13 partnering Paisami. So a lot of decisions made here, and I'm very keen to see if Rennie actually uh, call someone up to replace Parisi, given that's been formally announced that 
you know, he is going to miss the series. Uh, moving on from them, we had the wings. Pretty interesting mix. Um, again, I'd probably have Pattaya as a wing option. Um, Sulias Ivanovalu is another option that's out through injury. I think when we look at these players, um, the thing that stood out to me most with the announcement, uh, Rennie named them based off whether they were left wing or right wing. And that says a lot because he named both Marika Corrin-Betty and Tom Wright, who are probably our two best wingers, as left wings. Then he listed all of his centers. And then on the right wing in the 14 jersey, he listed Filippo Dungunu and Andy Muirhead. Um, I think we've seen this is an area where we've got a bit of room to work with. Uh, Corbett is very experienced, and he sort of finished his try scoring um, throughout uh, off with a bit of a flurry. He got a few at the end for the uh, Trans-Tasman comp. Eddie Muirhead's quite old, um, hasn't been capped for the Wallabies, hasn't been in squads really much before, but um, you know he's an experienced player for the Brumbies, and he's had a pretty good um, season. To be fair, he's beaten a lot of defenders. He's got surprisingly good feet. And we've seen him score a lot of tries from close range. Um, part of it through injury, part of it through return of other players, but we didn't see much of him in Trans-Tasman. And that's my only concern is he looks pretty good against the Aussie teams, but I don't know if he can um, you know, bring that same form, bring that same amount of defenders uh, beaten into test matches uh, or into you know more difficult opposition. So that'll be interesting to see how that one shapes up. Uh, Filippo Dungunu. Great option, great attacking option. Very keen to see what he does um, with ball in hand. But again, the penalties, the, the risky plays, oh, nothing, I guess, um, screams a concern like that test match against the All Blacks where he was you know, saying all week in the build-up how he's going to target Caleb Clark, he's going to pressure him, and then gets carded in the first, what, 10 minutes or something for a ridiculous tackle in the air. Um we want to see that stamped out of the game and just see him in his attacking form because he's a great player with ball in hand. Uh, also a great goal kicker we saw from his penalty he got against the Blues, but we just want to see uh, him in space. And then Tom Wright, he's a really exciting talent. I think play him at wing, play him pretty, anywhere, uh, pretty much anywhere. He'll do a job for you. Really smart reader of the game, really good footwork. Um, hasn't had as much chance to shine recently. I think he needs to get ball in hand a bit more, and that's where I love Corabetti. He'll go chasing the ball. Um, he'll put his hands in rocks. He'll, you know, go after it as much as he can. So I'm keen to see this mix up. I think um, Suleyas Ivanovalu would have been in there if healthy, but, you know, plenty of time for him to get a crack later on. Really exciting talent, and we've already seen the aerial game. He dominates that. And I think when we look at other teams, the British and Irish Alliance have picked a side that um, has a really good aerial advantage over the Springboks. A lot of teams going for that sort of game plan. So if we can, you know, develop our own version of that with Vunavalu, I think that's a great option for us. Lastly, I've bracketed a few players in here. It's fullback, but it's also utility, just because they named Reese Hodge and Andrew Kellaway here at the back. Um, they can both play fullback. They can both play wings, centers. Um, Hodge can play ten. Like they are really utility. Um, it's an interesting mix though, because uh, Banks is probably more than likely he's going to be our. Uh, starting fullback, he's been in the best form in that he's been the only one that played both AU and Trans-Tasman. Uh, Reese Hodge got injured very early on, um, I think round seven or so of Super Rugby AU. Haven't seen him since, but I think he's back healthy. Um, I wouldn't mind him at fullback just because he's got a good kicking game and slightly better playmaking than Banks. But 
I think Banks has shown that he's not the flat track bull anymore. He's had some really good um, passages to play against the Kiwi sides. Uh, racked up more meters than any other player across Super Rugby, which is a great set to have for an Aussie, especially given how dominant the Kiwis were with their, um, you know, obviously tries and line breaks, defenders beaten. So I'm keen to see him get um, a bit more time with, you know, some other attacking players around him. If Nick White's on the field, but so is James O'Connor, does that mean he's going to get a bit more ball and um, and, and space to use it? Because we know O'Connor's really good at using players off the inside shoulder or, you know, trying to uh, beat a few defenders and give an offload. So I'm keen to see Banks hopefully build on that Super Rugby AU and Trans-Tasman form. The player that I think um, a few people were saying was a bit of a shock, but I'm actually quite happy to see him in there is Andrew Kellaway. And... Not because I think, um, you know, we should just be throwing out caps or, you know, giving them to anyone or, you know, he deserves a chance because he was in that squad in 2016 when they toured. But more so because that game against the Crusaders, um, the Rebels could have lost by a lot more. They had nothing to play for. Um, They weren't going to make a final. There was no real benefit to them, um, you know, busting their guts to try and get that win um, other than to, you know, other than for pride. And Callaway made so many try-saving tackles or tackles that stopped line breaks. He's such a smart reader of the game, and I think it's something that the Wallabies could really benefit from. Whether he's starting or on the bench, it doesn't, you know, I don't even know if he needs to make the 23. Just having him in the squad and seeing how he reads the game. He's had the experience over with Northampton um, in the Premiership. He's played in the Japanese Top League. He's played in uh, the NPC competition or the Mitre 10 Cup competition in New Zealand. He's played a lot of rugby for someone that's, you know, 25 and hasn't made his uh, Wallabies debut yet. But I think he'd be pretty justified in getting a game time, even if it's, you know, the Tuesday test match, getting some time off the bench. A really smart player that can cover a lot of positions. And I'm glad to see that he wasn't just thrown away because he was a schoolboy hype. He was um, setting uh, age-grade records for most tries in uh, under-19, under-20 rugby uh, World Cups and all this sort of stuff. Um he was someone that toiled away for the Waratahs, got a bit of game time behind players like Nayara Faro and uh, Rob Horn, but he wasn't just thrown in straight away. I think he's someone that's really earned his spot. Um, so to see him come back and finish the season with the Rebels, I actually liked what I saw from him. And I think out of all the players in here that you know are uncapped and uh, a bit of a surprise, I think he's actually one of the ones that's the most worthy. Um, and that's probably not seen as super agreeable across a lot of other platforms that I've seen, which is fine. But I um yeah, got a bit of a soft spot for him. Bit of a fan. There is a player that got left out and not sure why, because he hasn't played for the Reds in ages, but Jock Campbell. Really, I'm surprised he was never in discussions with Rennie because he is someone who I thought was in great form for the Reds. Um seemed to have a great mix of attack, um, seemed to be pretty good under the high ball, seemed to be really fearless in defense. But he just never really got much um, of a look in. And then all of a sudden, the Reds are putting Hegarty at fullback and uh, Campbell on the wing and Dagoon is on the bench. Um, and none of the reasons were ever sort of publicly said, whether it was defensive frailties of um, Dongunu or, you know, penalty frailties, just giving away too much, um, and whether it was too much of a liability. I'm not really sure, but I think Campbell's best position is fullback. And I think he probably was the second best fullback in Super Rugby AU. Um, very surprised he's not in discussions, but hopefully, um, you know, if it is because of injury, he recovers and, you know, can maybe get in the wider squad and have a bit of training time with them. 
And if it's not because of injury, then I hope he stays in Australian rugby and has another good season with the Reds because he is someone that I think, um, you know, we could really benefit from having. I realize I haven't gone through all of the um, stats as I'm going through all of this, but um, I would just say Banks, 27 with 11 caps. Reese Hodge, 26 with 45 caps. Hodge's really quietly become one of our most experienced players, and I think a player like him, it's great to have in the team because he's so versatile. I just hope we really identify players like Hodge, Paisami, Tamua, O'Connor, Kellaway. What is their best position or what's the position they can provide the most for for the Wallabies? And let's get them game time in there and not move them around if we can uh, you know, if we can avoid it. So I'll just get to the last two slides. We've covered all the positions. Two things that I want to cover is uh, my preferred team. Um, hopefully that's coming up. My preferred team for um, that first test match against France. And then I'll just go through some of the teams that Rennie named last year, all of the teams Rennie named last year, and just have a look at what things stick out because um, there's always a difference with coaches about how they chop and change or how they use players and um, they might like to trial things and you know make changes quite quickly or they might like to persevere and see things through. But just from what I've seen with the squad, I'm keen to get a bit of a mix of this. And this is hopefully an area where we can have the most debate. I'm keen to hear the most um, rebuttals or arguments to this because um, – there's always a bit that's, you know, the best part of the podcasting job is looking at armchair selections. Um, for me, the front row picks itself, if available, Slipper, BPA, and Tupo. I want that experience of Slipper. I want BPA because he's got that best scrummaging work and he's, you know, been our form hooker, I think. Um, and then Tupo, I could flip a coin for him and Alalatoa. I can definitely see the argument for why um, Alatoa should start. He's safer in a lot of aspects. But Tupo's scrummaging's come leaps and bounds, and he's, you know, he's a real havoc there. Um, he's something that the French will really have to try and combat, and they've got a big pack, so they could do it. But Tupo's going to give us that edge just size-wise. And the other big reason is combinations. I've become a really big fan um, of seeing what combinations we can try to keep together if possible, not at the expense of making the team worse, but if it's 50-50 call, and we can see benefit for keeping players together in those positions, then I'm all for it. And I think having the Slipper BPA Tupo, they've all played at the Reds together. Slipper's now obviously at the Brumbies, but that's a really um, you know, experienced combination I think we could call upon. Um, and it sort of goes into the bench options, so I'll cover the bench front row as well. I've put Lockie Lonigan, Angus Bell, and Alan Alalatoa. Bell's, I think he speaks for himself. I want to see him develop. I think we know what we get from CEO. Um, so I'd like to see Bell get some time. Lockie Lonigan, I've put in there just because I think his partnership with Alalatoa could be really useful. They've packed down a lot this year. And Lockie Lonigan is 21. We don't know what we're going to get from him yet. And I think he's played pretty good rugby, but he's got a pretty high ceiling as well. We don't know what we could get out of him. I'm keen to see him develop. Athletic Kaitu has been great, but his line-out throwing was so shocking for parts of that um, Super Rugby Trans-Tasman and AU season. Plus, he is 26. Uh, if we're making 50-50 calls and players that are about the same level, I'm going to go for the younger guy just because we can get a bit more out of them, um, especially at this stage. You know, if, if we get a few games out of Lonergan and he's not there yet, that's fine. We can bring Kaitu in. We can bring in Feinger or Yulesi. Uh, but I do want to see us... You know, give a bit of time to these guys that are in good form and could take us to the next World Cup and the World Cup after. Uh, for the locks, I've got Sidalaki Tamani and Lukan Salakai Loto as the starting locks. 
uh, with Matt Phillip on the bench. Um, really, there's not many other options um, or permutations. Darcy Swain's uncapped. I don't think he should be um, necessarily in the squad when we've got all the players we could choose from. Um, you know, we've got Isaac Rodda coming back as a 25 test capped Wallaby. I think once he's back in the frame, he probably takes that spot straight away. Matt Phillip, he was a first choice lock for Dave Rennie last year, so I'm, I think he will get a lot of game time once he's you know back in the system. But he's been overseas, so I'm keen to reward the players that have been around and been doing the hard work and doing a pretty good job of it. Sidalaki Tamani is probably the form lock out of all these guys. Uh, Salako Lotto is probably the best lock, but not in great form. But still, I think they're a pretty um, comfortable locking combo for me at the moment. And then the bit I'm most excited about, that back row has real world-class potential. I mean, one of the players is already world-class. Michael Hooper, a lot of people give him flack as a captain for some of the choices he makes or as a seven for not being as aggressive over the ball as uh, Pocock was. But Valentini is the form six in Super Rugby AU. Harry Wilson's the form eight. Michael Hooper is the most experienced player we've got and is a great, great player around the park. You know, for whatever um, you know, decisions you think he makes as a captain, um, he's just a phenomenal athlete. So very keen to see that back row together. Um, I've put Issy Nasirani on the bench just because I think Hooper's an 80-minute player as a captain um, and Nasirani can cover six and eight pretty well. Would be pretty happy to see McWright get the spot on the bench. Um Obviously, I think he's had a pretty good season as well for the Reds, and he's someone that's a bit of a player for the future. So if you have him as your bench player or even as your starting seven, I don't mind too much. Um, but the fact that they've named Hooper as captain, I think we can just you know, put him in the starting team knowing that's where he'll end up eventually. Uh, the bit that I tried to keep really um, as structured as possible was this back line because I think most of the backs came from two teams, uh, the Reds and the Brumbies, and the two other backs that didn't, uh, two Rebels players who have played a lot of tests and can gel really seamlessly. So what I've gone for the starting back line is Tate McDermott and James O'Connor, 9 and 10, with Hunter Baisami at 12. So we're keeping that Reds connection um, between that attacking axis. And then the 13, 14, 15, I'm keeping that Brumby's spine where we've got Lenny Katow, Tom Wright, and Tom Banks. Um in between all of them is uh, Marika Corimbetti at number 11. Really capable player. He can step up no matter who he's with or where he is. Um, you know, he's just a real workhorse, so I'm not concerned at all about him. But I think the biggest gamble is that center combination. Matt Tamu is obviously the other 12 option, the form player um, from 2020 before the injury. His super rugby form wasn't great, so I haven't um, rushed him straight in there because I think we do need to start developing those players. Um, and Pasami's just had a ridiculous season. Ikatel, um has had some ridiculous games. I'd say probably four or five ridiculous games and then um, some quieter ones. But still hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's either been exceptional or quiet. He hasn't had a bad game yet. So I want to reward that form. I want to try and get these guys ticking his combination. If we can see already that it's working, that's great. Um, it's a shame we won't get a trial Parisi in there, but... I think it'd be great to see those two get some time together. Um, to partner all of them on the bench, I did try and keep combinations as well. I've gone Nick White, Noel Alessio, and Reese Hodge. Again, a bit of the argument for this. Nick White and James O'Connor are two most experienced backline players in terms of the amount of games they've played just across their career. A lot of them have been overseas, but they've still played a lot of tests for Australia. 
And what I'd like is to have uh, McDermott with Jock. So we've got, you know, um, an inexperienced halfback with our experienced fly half. And then coming off the bench, whether it's at the same time, whether it's together, whether it's just white, uh, we've got a really experienced scrum half and an inexperienced 10. I think in doing that, we keep our combinations quite strong. There's some nice cohesion between the players that have played a lot of club rugby together, but also we're not throwing uh, two young debutants out there. We saw what happened um, last year, 43-5, to we lost to the All Blacks, um, which was crazy given we won one of the games and we drew one of the games. You know, a 38-point loss was massive. And not that it was squarely on these players, but we had um, Noel Lelassio at 10 and Iray Simone at 12. They're two players that hadn't played any games here. They didn't have any experienced options there. If we keep, um, you know, some experience around them, we're going to be quite settled, especially when we looked outside. We had an inexperienced 13. We had a lot of new players out there. And I think if, as long as we keep one of those options of either White out with Lazio or um, Jockey out with McDermott or vice versa, um, I'll be quite happy. So that's the 15 I'd run with, and that's the bench as well. A bit of reasoning in there. If you've got... You know, thoughts against that, please um, hit us up because it's great to sort of iron those out and chat about them. Again, a um, bit of an interesting representation. We'll probably talk a bit about how underrepresented the force are in a later pod, uh, but a lot of you can probably piece together already that a lot of it's due to eligibility. Um, so we won't go too much into that. Last thing I'll just cover is the squads and teams from last year. So hopefully that's showing up on your screens. I might zoom in a bit just so it's a bit easier. Hopefully that makes it easier to see. Um, so across all the games last year, we had six test matches, and these are the teams that Dave Rennie used for each one. You can see the opposition uh, at the top of the column. Um, I didn't put in the result for the last Argentinian match, but that was a 16-all draw. Um, it's a bit of a average season, really, to have you know, three draws, uh, two pretty heavy losses and only the one narrow win. But I've color-coded it so you can see um, some of the areas in which we've got some consistency and some of the areas in which there was a lot of change. So hopefully if you are listening to this pod, you can find um, access to this somewhere. It'll still be up on Twitter. Um, might try and put it up on the YouTube channel as well if that's possible. Not very solid with all the tech stuff, but we'll see how we go with it. What we can gather from this, so James Slipper was the starting loose head. So that's who Rennie likes. Um, CEO came in and started the last two test matches, but that was only because of injury. So that's an interesting sign there. Um, Falafanga started the first test match at Hooker, but then Pangramosa started the next five. So again, I think we can guarantee that he's going to be getting that game time to start with. Um, and then Tanya Tupo and Alan Alatoa split the game time evenly. Again, that's something that I'm fine with for this year. Um, would be more than happy for that. The locks was interesting. So Matt Phillip was the only consistent lock. Started all six of the test matches in the five jersey. I wouldn't be surprised to see him hit the ground running and do that again. It wasn't in my team, but again, if it happens, not an issue for me. He's you know had a great um, track record under Rennie. Lucan Salakailoto partnered him for three of those test matches. Uh, Rob Simmons for the other three. Um. I mean, I guess technically we got better results with Simmons there, but he's not an option this time. And Psycho Lotto is definitely one of those players that um, provides a lot when he's on. And I love seeing him in form and in stride because he's a great running player. Um, great work ethic too when he's got that mindset. So I'm keen to see how that goes. 
Uh, the sixth jersey, again, this is where we just had so many options and a few of them wasted. So I want to see Valentini lock it down because um, looking through, Valentini got two cracks off the bench last year, and that was it. Um, this time it's a little easy because there's no Ned Hannigan to deal with. So the first test match, Harry Wilson got the sixth jersey. Hannigan got four of the five tests after that. Uh, Swinton got one in between, but obviously got red carded. So given Hannigan and Swinton probably um, haven't heard the result from that trial yet, but both of those players shouldn't be there. Uh, Wilson will be at number eight, so surely Valtini starts at six. Yeah. Uh, the other consistent one, Hooper was seven for all those games. Nick White was nine for all those games. Corin Betty was 11 for all those games. So we'll probably see a bit of consistency with those guys as well. Um, it's the other positions that are interesting. So the 10 jersey got split a fair bit. We had James O'Connor for three of the games. Uh, he had a bit of injury, so Noel Alessio got a start. Didn't do a great job. And so Reese Hodge got two games at 10 and did a really admirable job. So Reese Hodge is a bit of a Mr. Fix-It. I sort of expect him to be in the 23 whenever there's a chance just because he does cover so many spots. He does leave a great option for a 6-2 split if we want, um, much in the same way that the Springboks have utilized. So they've got a pretty winning formula. We've got some pretty good back rowers. I wouldn't be surprised to see us implement that sort of strategy. Um, the 11 jersey, as we said, Locker and Betty in. 12, 2 for Tamur, 1 for Simoni, 3 for Paisami. That's what they used last year. Um, some of its injury impacted. I did think it was quite tough, Lales and Simone both making their starting debuts together against the All Blacks. Backfired tremendously. So what I'm hoping is um, we do come in with a bit more thought process of how we're going to you know, manage those players. Um, I want to see Paisami continue that form and start at 12 again. Uh, but in all the tests that he played last year at 12, he had Pataira at 13. With him injured, I'm keen to see Ikatao in there. Um, I think he's a really good option to try and develop. Young, solid defense. We've seen a few freakish players in attack. He won the match against the Hurricanes with his nice try. Um, he's just beaten a lot of defenders in some you know, very tight spaces. So I'm keen to see that partnership. It could be a real attacking um, dynamo. The right wing was interesting because it swapped. Dalgunu played the first three, then Tom Wright played the back three. And I'd be happy with either of them. I think Tom Wright's my preferred and he's a bit safer. I think Dagunu's um, not as solid with um, the aerial game. You know, I mean, he doesn't have the same height as Tom Wright. He's a bit shorter. I don't think his kicking game ball in hand is as good. Off the tee, he's been really solid. Tom Wright's probably shown a little bit more. Um, Dagunu's isn't bad. It's still better than Corin Betty, so could be an option there. But I do think we see Corin Betty start on that wink. So I yeah, I don't really know how they'll split the time between those two. Um, and then Banks got four of the test matches last year. Hale Petty got one, but he's not on the squad anymore. So um, the only other test match went, uh, went to Hodge. He started um, at 15 in the last test and did a pretty good job there as well. So for me, I think Banks has played himself into that spot. Looking at the benches the only interesting thing there is just the amount of game time they gave to a few players. So Gordon got four games off the bench, McDermott two. I'm keen to see them step that up a bit for McDermott. Uh, Lalesio got um, three bench appearances, but only came off one of those times. So hopefully they give him a bit more game time and show a bit more faith in him. Um, they're going to get some time off the bench. Banks got some time off the bench. Whether they're bench players 
um, remains to be seen. Some players really suit that impact role. Some people, you know, need to be starting and sort of work their way into the match as opposed to hitting it from the ground running. And then one of the interesting things from all those test matches, um, so Bell got three games off the bench, which was great. Yelessi and Fine got three games off the bench each, and they're not in the squad anymore. Um, so they could come in and do a job if there's injuries to the hookers. But the one that sticks out is looking at that, McWright got 12 minutes last year, yet Liam Wright came off the bench three times and had some pretty good impact on some of those. I get that he's not a massive body, so you can't play him as a six in the same way you might be able to do with a Valentini or Nicerani, but he's still a really solid option. I'd, I'd like to see him back in the squad. I think when we go through all the players, he's the one that I think's the most hard done by to not be in there. So that's a bit of a look at the test matches uh, from last year. Gone on quite long. Um, it's a lot of analysis. So if you are sick of hearing me speak, because it's just been me on this one, completely understandable. But what I would recommend, if you are just you know, fast-forwarding right to the end to see what this looks like, go through and just have a look at the PowerPoint. You can put it all on mute. Um, I think it's worthwhile having a look at how experienced some of our positions are. I've had some great chats with people online. So um, Craig, who's at Balumba, he's um, been in touch a fair bit. Just talking about the relative strengths of different positions. For example, we've got over 160, I think, test matches of experience with the loose head prop, but we've only got nine for hooker. You know, we've got 125, I think, test matches of experience in the back row, but 105 of that is hooper. So weighing up the pros and cons of how the talent spread across this squad could be a really interesting uh, activity. So a lot of this stuff's on Twitter. Um, Feel free to have a look through all that. If you've got any questions about any of the um, squad players or any opinions about any of the squad players and you're keen to chat about them, that's what I'm living for. So thanks for tuning in for the first live video sent out. Um, let's hope it's actually worked. <laughs> um, I'll try and put this up on other channels as well. So if you listen to the podcast, you can hear it. If you uh, didn't get a chance to watch it live, it might still be available on Twitter. But otherwise, I'll try and get up on YouTube or something as well. Um, thanks heaps and go Wallabies. How good?